Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. It is good to be in the house of God. Amen. Wow. Well, let me say a little bit about our stage uh, design and change. First of all, let me thank those that labored a couple days. You did a great job. Amen. We appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. It's uh, how many, that looks good, doesn't it? It looks kind of, it's almost like winter in here, isn't it? You just look up there and you think Christmas and winter. And, and that was what we were going for. Hallelujah. And you say, well, why, why the great, big, gigantic Emmanuel? Well, because I'm going to be doing a sermon series on Emmanuel this Christmas. Amen. I'm going to begin that next week, so I don't want you to miss this. Um, this is going to be a powerful, powerful uh, message. Actually, I was going to start it today, but then kind of got interrupted in this message and, and that I'm going to deliver to you today. But, uh, you know, God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? <laughs> Amen. So I want you this Christmas. Let's let's do something this Christmas. Let's let's invite everyone we can invite. Say, hey, I, I don't know where you go to church, but come on down to Praise Chapel. Come on with me. Yep. We got a chair saved for you. Amen. And uh, um, you know what? Let's let's see some people get saved this Christmas. Can you say amen to that? And you know what? He's just say he's just going to talk about Christmas. That's it. And so it, it's no big heavy revy, you know. And then they'll they'll come. They'll come. So invite your in-laws, your outlaws, your friends, your neighbors, and whatever, whatever, and just invite people out and be a part of what God is doing. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter number 18, chapter number 18, um, and we'll get to that here in just a second, but I, I really felt one of the reasons that I, I kind of debated actually uh, a little bit throughout the week about what to preach, I had several things on my heart, and, and this particular subject kept coming up over and over again. And, and sometimes, you know, one of the things that we share with you, and, and uh, I, know, I know Pastor Pennington would often share this, is that uh, our sermons are kind of a, uh, a journaling of our journey, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's what God is speaking to us as well, not only to the congregation, but to us in our hearts. And, and sometimes God uh, will will bring reminders to us. And so I think this is where this is falling into. This is one of those things that, that um, God is really trying to get across. Because here's, let me tell you something about God. You know what? God is such a good God. Can you say amen? amen. God really wants to bless your life. God really wants to move in your life. But let me say something about blessing. I, I think there has to be, and this is a freebie, by the way. This isn't in the sermon, so just... <laughs> Uh, there has to be a redefining of blessing because oftentimes the Western mind thinks in blessing in terms of money or things or, you know, that kind of thing. But you need to understand the greatest blessing of your life that can actually come into your life is a greater and deeper walk with him, a greater and deeper walk um, in understanding him, in relationship with him. One of the things I was listening, I was listening to a sermon 
um, over Thanksgiving, actually coming home. And one of the things that the pastor was saying when he said that he made the statement, he says, the further you go into God, the less you can take with you. And sometimes that sounds a little bit like, ooh, I don't know if I want to. But the reality is, is the reason that there's less to take with you is because that's what you're getting, how much you're getting of him. Amen. It's you're, when you go deeper into him, we, we get rid of the inferior. We get rid of the things that are temporary and that can never satisfy. It's, it's, like, it's like, you you know, we all love cotton candy, and it's all fun to have during the, the fair, and Kathy can make it. Um, but the reality is, is you can never live life on cotton candy. I can tell you within a day or two, it's going to get pretty thin. It will not satisfy. In fact, after a while, it won't even taste good anymore. You know, that whole sugar thing lasts just a little while. And so we need something deeper. We need something more. And so I really do believe that what God's doing is he's pulling us into a place of more. He's really wanting to bless us. He's really wanting to take us deeper into him, into what he has for our lives. Can you say amen? Now, there are some verses in the Bible that are very, very clear. And they're so clear that it amazes me how far we misunderstand it. Yep. I mean, there are some things, I, I know, I'll admit, there are some things in the Bible, when you read that, you, you sit back and you go, what, what does that mean? I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I can't even relate to that. You can't even get it. But there are some things in the Bible that are so very clear that it amazes me as Christians how far we miss it. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed sometimes because I'm amazed at Christianity. I'm amazed at me. Let me, let me stop putting it out there as this, you know, you Christians. I'll, I'll just, I, I, I'll talk about me. I'm amazed at how far I miss it sometimes. It's just, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you go, it's not rocket science. It's pretty easy. And if you'll just catch it, if you'll get a hold of it and you'll, you'll take it and seize it, it can change your life. Yes. Let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> let me ask you a question about something. If you, this, this, this happened this weekend. I was in this board meeting and, and in the board meeting we're going over, you know, you're talking about finances and decisions and what the next year looks like and you're, you know, all this, you know, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Bull. <laughs> uh, and you're, you're like, oh, man. And, and you're like, what is all that about? And you're trying to figure out, and you really don't know. You know, I, you know people that sit in board meetings, we like to think that we know. <laughs> we don't know any more than anybody else does. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a guess at best. Okay, because we don't know what that, we don't know maybe about two seconds in front of us. We don't really know what's going to happen. And so we're, but we have educated guesses and we look into the past and we can come up with some theories. But one guy, he came up and he did this exercise with us and he was really trying to get us to think a little bit. And he said this, he goes, I want you to write down or I want you to think about some things that if you had, if you had unlimited resource, if you had unlimited resource, meaning that there was no end to it, none. What would you do? What would you do? 
Think about it. So write some things. So people writing stuff down. And, and in my group, we, this happened in my group. And so we're talking about things that we would do. And, you know, man, unlimited. I'd do this. And I'd do this. And I'd do this. And I'd do this. Well, when we got done, the guy says, well, let me tell you something. Jesus is unlimited. See, the problem with Christianity is we don't take it very serious. We gloss over it. We, we're kind of like a rock skipping across the pond. We, we just don't get in it. We just skip across. And so this verse that we're going to look at, it's just one verse of Scripture today, is one of those verses that stands out in my mind as a clear reminder of that reality. So I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21. If you've been around a while, you've heard me preach on this before. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. Now, let me read that again so you're clear. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, we need to take that verse of Scripture pretty serious. It's, it's fairly clear. You don't have to... Now, I will define some words for you here in a minute, but you don't really have to define them to get the message, do you? Right. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it, whichever side of the equation, you're going to eat its fruit. Right. You're going you're gonna, to... You're either going to enjoy the benefit or you're going to endure the consequence. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? That's the point of this verse of Scripture. And Proverbs this morning has a lot to say about what we say and how we talk and the words that we use. In fact, the subject of the tongue and how we use our words is one of the preeminent themes in Proverbs. Over 150 Proverbs, 150 times in Proverbs, it's referred to in some way or another of how we speak and what we say. Why is that? Well, because words can have enormous importance in our daily lives. I'm not talking about our life in general. I'm talking about what you are currently going through at this moment is by and large affected by what you're saying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, these words, they are not harmless, innocuous, little tidbits that fade in and out of our life with no impact. They can be as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel. They can be as deadly as a smart, gu smart bomb guided by laser accuracy. One word that is filled with life can bring life. Or one word that is filled with death can bring death. Listen, the universe was created with words. Jesus healed and cast out demons with words. Rulers have risen and fallen because of their words. Think about it. Our president, or any president, has lots of men around them to guide them about what they say. That's been the controversy as of late with our current president, because he tends to not think about what he says all the time. Yeah. 
And words have impact. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can change the course of nations. It can change. One man can get up on the bad side of the bed and go, you know what? I don't think today is going to be a very good trading day. And all of the markets go into chaos. One word. Why? Because words have power. Can you say amen? Christian worship, by and large, is done through words and confession. Even in our technological age, words are powerful. Since our words are so powerful for good or evil, we would be wise to ask. We'd be wise to ask, what would our homes be like? What would our churches, what would our schools, what, what would our city, our jobs, what, what would life be like if we used words with biblical intentionality and understanding? Understanding the power behind our words. What would life be like? What would your life be like? What would my life be like if I was more careful about my words? That I didn't let my mood or my struggle dictate what comes out of my mouth. Here's the problem with words. Is we tend to dismiss them. So we will say things in the heat of the moment. We'll say things in the struggle of the moment. Or because that we're just in a bad mood, it's a bad hair day. And we'll say things without understanding that those words are going to make impact. Right. And then we try to clean it up by going, well, I didn't mean it. Right, right. I know I said all that, but, you know, I didn't. I was just joking. Right. Just joking. Psych. How <laughs> I many you know what I'm We do that, don't we? we? But the problem is, is what happens is when we say words, the, pen, the penetration, the damage, the, 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 the effect of them happens before we can ever retract them. Here's the problem with speaking a word out of turn. It's kind of like unringing a bell. How do you unring a bell? You just can't. So what would our life be like if we understood the power behind those words? That's what this message is all about, is to help us understand the power and the impact of our words. See, I think the reason that we have so much trouble with our words is because either we've ignored this reality or somehow we've never been taught it. We've never un really understood. We've just kind of ignorant to the fact that these words have power. And so what we do is we nonchalantly spew out words of anger and bitterness and criticism and sarcasm and profanity and doubt as if they had no impact in our lives or the lives of others. But our text says death and life are in the power of the tongue. He's saying there is something being accomplished by the words of your mouth. It's either going to be for life or it's going to be for death. There's no middle ground here. There's no neutral. See, we're always looking for neutral, aren't we? It's like, well, it wasn't bad, but it really wasn't good. I, you know, if I can just fall into that place in life where I'm not really on fire, but I'm not really bad either. Jesus put it this way. 
He says, that's lukewarm. And we know what he had to say about that. He goes, I just kind of spew you out of my mouth at that point. He said, I would rather you be hot or I would rather you be cold because at least I know where you're at. When you're neither, when you're just lukewarm, when you're, when you're just kind of floating in the middle there, when, you know, it's not really good, but it's not really bad, then you know what? You're just kind of there. Well, see, that place really in the context of words, it doesn't exist because words have power and they penetrate and they make a difference. See, the, the word power in the Hebrew is a significant and complex word. And I want to show you this. I want to give you a translation of this so that you see what's behind this. See, the literal translation of the word power in our text, where it says life and death are in the power of the tongue, that word is defined everywhere else in the Bible as hand. So it says like the hand of God or they were under the hand of Pharaoh or you know, it's talking about a hand. But see, that word hand really doesn't describe or communicate to you and I what it really is talking about, what Scripture is really trying to express. Because this word really means authority involving responsibility, care, and dominion over someone or something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in other words, we could, we could say it like this. We, we could say the phrase, it's, it's if I'm under someone's hand, then I'm, it's conveying the understanding that I'm under the custody or the authority of that person or that thing. So it's the hand of the power and authority. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 12, it says, both riches and honor come from you and you reign over all. In your hand, the same word that's translated power, is power and might. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. So in your hand, he's talking about the power, the ability to bring riches and honor, the power, the might, to give strength. All of these things are incorporated in the hand of God. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold the Lord's hand, his Power, his authority, his, his, his influence is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. So this is the idea that's being communicated in our verse. The, the life and death, or death and life, are in the hand of our tongue. You didn't know your tongue had a hand, did it? If we could say it this way, your tongue had a hand in it. Your tongue has a hand in everything you do. That's another quotable quote, Andy. I just, that's mine. That's original, just so you know. <laughs> Andy came to me the other day, and he says, man, we need to start quoting you. I said, the problem is I quote too many people. I don't know if it's mine or not, but I'm going to start telling Andy when they're mine. So, so if you see them up, so if you see a post on Facebook, that says, you know, your tongue had a hand in your success or your failure, then you know it was from me. So there you go. I don't, I don't know if that's worth anything. Just a little. We're trying, we're trying to beef up things, and that's why we appreciate everybody that's watching by 
by Facebook and, and online. We're, we're really trying to beef up that presence and, and trying to make ourselves known. That's why I'm going to try to lose some weight, so really pray for me. I'm going to try to get some new clothes, so pray for me there. The other day, it was funny, Andy put, I think it was like 19 different uh, videos of me preaching on, on YouTube. And out of 19 videos, I had three different shirts on. It's like, does the guy own any other clothes? It's like, it's like, and, and you know, all of a sudden when you have a little bit more public of a persona, it's like, well, we probably ought to cut loose and buy some clothing or something. I don't, I don't know. And, and so it's, uh, that's a whole nother story. I, anyway, I'll get back to my notes here, but we're, we're trying, we're trying. Where am I at in my notes here? Huh? My tongue had a hand. See, that's a perfect example of shutting up. It's, it's like, you know, it really didn't hurt nothing, but I can tell you it didn't help nothing either. It's like, it's like I, could, I could just see God up in heaven going, oh, Gabriel. I told him what to say. I wish he would just say it. Just, just, just say what I say and quit adding your two cents. See, that's, isn't that the problem? In these verses that we talked about, it's metaphorically talking about the power of God. But let me tell you, the power that comes along with our words is not metaphorical. It's reality. Because they have the power to overthrow. They have the power to bring dominion. They have the power to destroy. They have the power to change. We, we have been incredibly equipped with a weapon of mass life or destruction. And it's right under our nose. Can you say amen? amen. That's why, church, that what we have got to learn to do is rather than making agreement with the lies that we hear right. and the voice of the world or the voice of hell, oh. that we learn to speak God's word. Yes. Yes. See, the problem is, is oftentimes what we do is we hear a word in our head. And let me tell you, the devil has the ability to sow a word into your head, oh, yeah. a thought, and then what we do to our own demise is we speak it out of our mouth. And now what we've done is we have empowered the lie by speaking it into existence. Do you understand, church, that we are the children of God? We are kings and priests before him. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are his representatives in the earth, and we have been given the right and the responsibility to be his spokesman. And so what happens is when we speak, there is great power invested in it. So that's why we have to be careful, because God's word always accomplishes See, he invested his power into your tongue. Yep. Are you hearing me? Yep. Listen to Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now remember, we are his spokesman in the earth. We are his mouth, if you would dare to say that. We speak the word of God. Are you hearing me? So let's look at a few words here. This word void literally means empty, unproductive, ineffective, fruitless. The word accomplish means to become or to bring forth or to execute, to finish, or to fulfill, govern, keep, perform, or procure. This word prosper means to advance, to succeed, to be profitable, to break out mightily. So when we take those words, that expanded view, and we put it into Isaiah 55, 11, it would read this way. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth or my child. It shall not return to me empty, unproductive, ineffective, fruitless, but it shall become, bring forth, execute, and finish, fulfill, govern, keep, perform, and procure what I please, and it shall advance, succeed, be profitable, break out mightily in the thing for which I sent it. Amen. How is it, church, how is it that as Christians... We bypass this reality. We oftentimes wonder what is going on in my life. Dare I say today that what's going on in your life is that you haven't got your words under control. And that what you do is you speak more death into your life than you do life. Amen. Amen. We do it all the time. I do it. I, I, I was driving home from Phoenix yesterday, and I was mulling over some things. And, and as I'm mulling over them, I had to say, and in fact, it was funny. Last night, I'm, I'm laying in bed. Last night, I was laying in bed. I had my earphones in. I'm watching Star Trek. And, and as I'm watching Star Trek, I just had this random, stupid thought. Kathy was trying to go to sleep, and I had my headphones in, and I, I, I said quite loudly, stop it. And she turns over and looks at me like, and she went, what? I'm not doing nothing. I'm trying to sleep. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to control the thoughts in my head so they don't become words in my mouth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this is what we've got to do. Think about this for a moment. This can change everything. It could change everything. Because our words can influence everything from our present circumstances to our future. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe the reason that you don't have the blessing far as financially that you have is because you keep speaking against your job. Maybe, maybe the husband that you have or the wife you have is not what you want because you speak against it. Maybe your children are so, maybe your kids are so out of control is because you keep looking at them going, you're always out of control. You're always out of control. You are always out of control. It is a declaration, and we'll get to that here in a minute. His car is horrible. And why am I always driving a horrible car? Because you are speaking it. My boss is always on my back. Is, it, is this connecting? Are we connecting with this at all? 
I am always sick. I'm always dealing with some cold or another something. I'm, I'm dealing with some sickness somewhere. Okay. There you go. You could speak it into existence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Proverbs 18, 6 and 7, listen to what it says. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. I love the Word of God, and it's, I love its brutal honesty. Look at that. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Yeah. James tells us that small things can have big results. In James chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, it says, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. James is telling us something very small can steer something very large. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37 says, But I say to you that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. We need to pay attention to that. Can you say amen? Now, I want to take this thought as I'm winding this down. I want to take this thought to a little bit deeper of a conclusion here. We need not only to change the way we speak, not just in style and content, but we need to change our understanding of our speech and understand that really we've been given this ability to have faith-filled declarations. Okay. See, the Bible is filled with examples of encouragement for declarations of faith. Let me show you what I mean. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Okay, now listen to me, church. I'm not going to go sideways here. I know the whole doctrine about blab it and grab it and all that stuff. I'm, I, I'm not talking about using something and consume, consuming something on your own natural lust. I'm talking about having the mind of God. I'm talking about understanding the will of God and working in step with God and then speaking his word, having a declaration of faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? I think, of the, I think of the widow uh, woman that was in the New Testament, and she was the little woman that was, had the issue of blood for 12 years. She had this plague. The Bible calls it a plague that she was not able to resolve. She went to all the doctors of her day. She spent all her money. She lost all her friends. There was no lo- She was lonely and lost, and the only thing that she could look forward to was a life in, in, in solitude, or when she was in public, she had to cry out, unclean, unclean. Literally, unclean became her identity. But one day, she hears about a man 
that's going from town to town and healing the sick and opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears. He's raising the dead, and he seemingly has this power to be able to change the most difficult of situations. Now look what she does. She says, read it, you could read it. She says to herself, if I touch the hem of his garment... I will be healed. In other words, what she did is she made a declaration of her faith. She said, this is what's going to happen. And friends, that's what happened. She made a declaration of faith. She was working in concert with the will of God, and she declared it, and it became so. Can you say amen? Listen to me, church, and as I bring this down, listen, words are seeds. Are you hearing me? Words are seeds, and when we, de- when we declare things, when we say with our mouth, this is what it's going to be, then we are planting a seed. Now, here's the dilemma with that. We are not very good farmers, right. <laughs> and the reason why is because we have a tendency through our impatience to dig up our seed. Amen. What we do is we go into the garden of our life, and with the shovel of doubt... We dig into the soil of our faith and we dig up the seed that we've planted. So what we do is we make a declaration. We say, I will be healed or I will have my needs met or I will see victory in my home or my children will be saved or whatever it might be. We sow that seed and because we do not see an immediate result, we immediately go out and go, well, I guess it didn't work. Right? And what we've effectively done is we've stuck in the shovel of doubt and we have dug up our seed. Church, what we need to do is we need to declare what we believe to be true in faith and then leave it alone. We need to go back to what we learned in kindergarten. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Church, I'm telling you, if we get a hold of this, this will revolutionize our homes. This will revolutionize our lives, our jobs, our businesses. This will revolutionize our church. It has the ability to change this city. I've been listening to people lately talking about Kingman. And I've heard people say, oh, this town is horrible. This town is this. This town is that. This town is this. And I declare that the, one of the reasons why we have had some difficulty in this town is because we have just got on the bandwagon of bashing Kingman. I think what we ought to do is go, you know what? Kingman is a great place to live. It is a prosperous place to live. Kingman is a place where God has brought his blessing to. Kingman is a place where you can find salvation. There's a lot of great churches in Kingman. You know what? There is a presence of God in Kingman. There's been Christians that have been talking about the stronghold of the devil in Kingman. Well, I declare that we ought to talk about the stronghold of God in Kingman that is throwing out the stronghold of the devil. And what we need to do is rise up and not dig up our faith. And we need to say, you know what, God, you are able because you are a God of more than enough. You're a God that is abundant. We don't serve a stingy God. He doesn't pour out. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do just little dabs and go, there you go. Now you're all blessed. No, he lavishes his love upon us. He pours it out in abundance. He he does it extravagantly. Can you say amen? (coughs) That's who our God is. That's who our father is. When our father throws a party, he throws a party. I'm telling you, he, 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 he puts it out there. What we've got to do, church, 
is we have got to stop digging it up. One guy came up to me after the 8.30 service, and he goes, you know, talking about the seeds of your words, he says in the Bible, he says, it's seed time and then harvest. Sometimes there is a delay. Let me say this too. There's a, there's a scripture that says the heart deferred, may, or hope deferred makes the heart sick. But let me say something. Hope deferred is not hope denied. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now listen, this is where you say, well, what, what is the key to this? Okay. How's that? What is the key to this? The key to this is that we get our hearts in line with his word. Okay, what we do is we, this is why that when we talk about reading the Bible, we don't read the Bible so that it's like, okay, I've fulfilled my Christian duty. I read the Bible so that I have language for who I am and what I am. Right. See, if you want to know how to worship, read the book of Psalms. There you go. It's the language of worship. Read that. Come, you know, it's, you come to a place where you listen to the promises and you listen to what God is doing and there's a language, there's a word that comes inside of you. It fills your heart and then you're able to speak out. And the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. He not only fulfills the desire, but he puts the desire in us. And then in 1 John chapter 5, it says this, we have this confidence. We know that if we pray according to his will, he hears us and he answers our our prayer. And how do you pray according to the will of God? We put his will in. We use his word. We fill ourselves up. We program the computer with the right words. And let me tell you something. If you do that, you will never fail. You'll be completely satisfied. You will be powerful and you will change the world around you. Can you say amen to that? That's what we've got to do, church. That's what we got to do. We have got to resist the luxury and the temptation of speaking negatively. It is easy, even funny at times, to be sarcastic. Amen. I've done it. I have gone, I've gone on tirades in this pulpit about the traffic in Kingman. Talking about how there's a grand conspiracy against John Poole. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Let me tell you something. I, I, I've had the opportunity this, this month to travel a little bit. And I was in Phoenix last, this weekend, and I was in L.A. a few weeks back. And Kingman don't got nothing on traffic. You can get, you can get from here to my house on, in rush hour in seven minutes. That's in rush hour and construction. It ain't that bad. In fact, it's pretty good. Can you say amen? This is a great place. This is a great church. You are great Christians. We have more than enough. We will overcome. We are overcoming. God is in this place. Souls are being saved. Lives are being changed. Bodies are being healed. God is on the move. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Say amen again. You say, what does that mean? That means so be it. It will be done in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen again? Church, I'm tired of taking it from the devil. I ain't taking it no more. We're going for it. We're going to allow God to be God. Amen? Man, I've spoken enough trash into my life for four people. I'm done. Can you say amen? 
<laughs> we having fun yet? Man, God's good, isn't he? God's good. God, no, say it with me. God is good. Yes, he is. Amen. I love it. I love it. So why are you preaching this? Because we need it. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to move in your life. I, want, I believe he wants to change some things in your life. I'll close with this last story. I was down at this meeting, and, you know, they're talking about, you know, big things. This, this, this Samaritan aviation is, is, they have big, big, big things. They, right now they're servicing what's called the Sepik River, and it's a 700-mile river with 500,000 people with two doctors in one hospital. Oh, my goodness. And so it's horrible. Horrible, and so the the PNG Papua New Guinea uh, Health or uh, Health Ministry got a hold of them. Has been seeing what they're doing. They have reduced the death rate on the Sepik River to one half of what it was five years ago because of being able to go in and 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 change. Well, the uh, health ministry just got a hold of them and they brought them in. It's all on PNG TV and in their newspapers. And they just asked him to expand into what's called the Fly River. It's on the western side of Papua New Guinea. And so what that means is, is they need new airplanes and people. And, you know, the airplanes that they fly, they're, they're you know, they're $500,000 plus just because of the specialized equipment and different things that they need. And so they're believing God. And they're trusting him. And, you know, in this board meeting, they're going, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We, we serve a big God. He's able. And you know what? Lo and behold, a guy came in and bought a plane. Wow. Amen. They just got it, their third plane. And said, yeah, no, no, I can do that. I can do that. Oh, yeah, you need it fixed up? Go ahead. Just put all the parts you want on it, whatever you got to do. My point is this. This is my point is, is that is that God wants to show himself strong in the behalf of those that love him. Okay. And when we really become the hands, feet, and mouth of God in the earth, God says, I'll empower you in ways that you can't even anticipate. Now, if, you're, if the motive of your heart is to consume it upon your lust, you're going to probably see great resistance. You're, you're not going to be able to just, you know, walk around pointing out cars and, you know, other people's things and say, I want that. And I, you know, I claim that for the kingdom of God. No, that's not claiming for the kingdom of God. That's claiming for your kingdom. Right. Now look at, I need to balance this out. You need to understand if God gives me a Porsche, I'm going to drive it. Okay. I'm not, I'm, I don't believe that Christians need to be poor. I don't, I don't believe there's anything spiritual in poverty. I don't believe, let me put, no, no, that's wrong. I don't believe there's anything spiritually healthy in poverty. In fact, I believe poverty is a spirit that has seek to control lots of Christians. And what, what we do is we look at that and we go, well, everybody ought to be have nothing. No, that ain't God. That ain't, that, you, I, that's not God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What God does, what God doesn't, God, God doesn't care that I have things. God just cares that things don't have me. Good word. 
And what God wants is he wants me to enjoy life. He wants me to be full. He wants to bless. But he wants me to understand where it came from. He wants me to know what it's for. It's for his glory. It's, 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 for, it's all on recall. It, it, it can go to him, back to him anytime he wants. There's a man by the name of Robert Morris. He pastors a very large church in Dallas, Texas. It's probably about, I think it's 28 to 30,000 people now. And one of the things about Robert Morris's ministry, and he often talks about this, is about how God had used him over the years financially. And he said, you know, it started off with just a little bit here, a little bit there, just giving people, just being led of the Spirit. And finally, one day, God came to him and said, would you, he had a car that was paid off. He said, would you give that car to somebody? And he goes, I suppose if that's what you want me to do. You know, when you're given 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there, it ain't no big deal, but all of a sudden your vehicle, that's got a little more feet to it, you know what I'm saying? And, and he did, and you know, God brought, brought it back to him. And finally one day he spoke to him and said, you know, your house is paid off. Would you give that to the minister? Would you give that to that person? He goes, yeah, I will. And now it's coming back. And this is a man, he goes, I can't, I can't keep up with what God gives me because I, I, I keep giving it back. I keep putting it back out there. And look, at, I'm not talking about consuming on our lust here. There's a fine line. So you can get lost in that, lost in things. I'm talking about the open heaven with unlimited supply being poured out in you. The reason he does that is he does that so that you could be a conduit of moving it into the world. But you know what? The conduit, see, the wire is always energized. The pipe is always wet. Okay? The moment the, moment the, the wire stops letting the electricity flow, it's just potential. It has to be connected to something. It has to, the circuit has to be completed so that it can flow. The same with the pipe. Look at when the pipe, when you turn the faucet off, the pipe has a limited amount of water in it. When you turn the faucet on and it's giving, it flows with abundance. And that's how God wants us to be. And he wants to do that through our lives. But somewhere, we got to get this thing working in the right place. We got to, we got to speak it. Right. And declare it. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for the truth of your word and all that you're telling us and re- revealing to us, God. We ask that you would help us to put this into our lives and into our hearts and our minds, God, so that, Father, that we can walk this out. Father, remind us, Holy Spirit, I ask that you remind us that when we start moving into a place where we're going to empower the liar or empower the lie or speak negative, God, that we would have a guard upon our mouth, upon our heart and our mind. Father, that we would be checked quickly. Father, that we would be given the words of life. God, give us the words of life. Help us to find in your word, through the word of God, Those words are going to make a difference in this world. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.